Sent from his throne above He came to change his world through love He came humbly, he came to serve He'll come again to rule his earth Hallelujah, the Lord has come And hallelujah, the Lord has come listening to Thursday Night Live at Calvary Chapel St. Paul. Calvary Chapel St. Paul is a fellowship of believers committed to a fourfold style of ministry. We seek to reach, teach, mend, and send. Each Thursday Night Live service involves a time of intimate worship, an in-depth study of God's Word, and a time of afterglow and leading of the Holy Spirit. And now, here is Thursday Night Live. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening to you. How do you do? Woo! Hey, we're going to start the book of Galatians tonight. If you have not read your Haley's Bible handbook... What are you doing back? I thought he had a lot of work How for you. How long did you want me gone for? I don't ever want you to be gone. That's it. Well, then I'm happy you're back. I just, we're both back, so everyone has to choose which one they're happy about the most. Why choose? Okay, I like the way you think there. All right, hey, we're going to be in the book of Galatians tonight. Book of Galatians tonight. And uh, our guest teacher tonight is... Nick, come on, Nick. Nick's going to give us some context here. So you got him on the microphone. Hello. Hello. This is Nick. Okay, so this isn't like the Academy Awards or whatever. You, you, it'll, no music? No, no, no. You don't have to okay. kiss the... It'll I'm pick here. it up. I'm here. You know how there's actors who probably right? like, I just want to say that one. All right. Well, Lord Jesus, we just give you tonight, and we just ask you to be Lord and lift it up. And Lord, may we leave here tonight more on fire, more convicted, more committed, more submitted, more in love with you than when we came here this evening. And no matter what Nick does tonight, Lord, no one's going to hell. In Jesus, because of him. In Jesus' name, amen. No All right, to give you context, we're starting the book of Galatians. So if you have your Haley's Bible handbook, but Nick has got a Thompson Chain reference Bible with concordance? Correct. Correct. This is a newer version, and so they kind of split some things up. Uh, and so he's going to go, they used to have it all in one section. So you, we just figured some things out here. And he's going to give you some context here. Uh, and some of you might actually have Bibles with notes on them. And the reason why I like the Thompson Chain Reference Bible is it's not the study Bible that tells you what to think. Unfortunately, you have the idiot notes that our publishers have put in there. And they put some type of title right there. And it makes you think like that. So that's uh, unfortunate. We don't have Bibles that have their notes. However, the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, I get no money for this whatsoever. The Thompson Chain Reference Bible with concordance, uh, New King James or King James, I suggest, uh, just gives you the information and it's keyed and it gets you to a verse and it has all types of key, like numbers on it you have to go look up. And you 
Uh, it's, it's just a faster way. Kid, it's before computer and before Siri and all this stuff like that. We used to look things up. Okay, someone else key the light. It's called a key reference, and so Nick's going to give us some context here. So go right ahead, Nick. All right, we're looking at a map here, and it's Paul's third missionary journey. So Paul, from the start of his third journey, from Antioch to Syria to Galatia, from Galatia through Phyga to Ephesus, from Ephesus to Macedonia to Corinth, where the people plot against Paul, from Corinth through Macedonia to Troas, Eutychus falls from a window, from Troas to Midias, Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders, from Midias through Rhodes, and Patra and Tyre, from Tyre through Caesarea to Jerusalem. That's the journey. And then we have an outline history, and we're looking at Paul's third mission. In the year 53 it began, and from 54 through 58, leaving the home church at Antioch, Paul revisited the churches of Galatia and Phyga and came to Ephesus. During his absence, some preliminary work had been done in the city by Apollos, which prepared the way for a successful campaign. Paul's preaching and miracle-working power made a profound impression, putting to confusion those who use black arts and deceive the people. A great work was accomplished and a church founded, but labor troubles made it wise for Paul to leave. And he departed to Macedonia and Greece. And that's in the year 56. He remained there for three months at Corinth, then revisiting the churches of Macedonia, came to Troas, where he preached a midnight sermon and raised Eutychus to life, the one that fell out the window. Then, on his way to Jerusalem, he stopped at Midias and delivered a notable farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Arriving at Jerusalem, he found himself the object of intense hatred, and conspiracy against his life was formed. That was in year 58. Then he was arrested under false charges, but the Roman soldiers rescued him from the mob. His Roman, citizen, his Roman citizenship secured him certain rights. Then he went to Rome. Very good, thank you. Hey, ta-da. Hey, uh, so can you do some simple math? How long did that third journey take? 53? Five years, very good. You always sat up front, didn't you, Kristen? Pretty much, yeah. She's good, she's good on that one. I just want to let you know you outdid Ed. I don't know, you must have been sleeping, Ed. He's using my quickest one right there, all right? So his third missionary journey lasted five years. Actuality, his journey lasted much longer than that because when he was arrested, he spent another two and a half years uh, in, in uh, Caesarea and then shipped off to Rome. And so we're going to see some things here. But this is Paul. So if this was 53 AD, anyone besides Kristen or Ed, if this started in 53 AD, and let's take the conservative estimate that Jesus Christ was ascended to heaven in 52 or uh, 32 AD. How many years is this? 21. 21 years, the spread of Christianity, and it's, and it's going to get the whole known world, the Roman world, but the whole known, the whole known world in 21 years. And it was just the testimony and the witness of every believer, one witness to another, and, and the, the working, miracle-working power 
of God. And so that's what we have here in Galatia. And so Paul in chapter 1, we're only going to get to possibly verse 7, maybe 8 and 9. We'll see how this goes. But Paul, an apostle, not of men, uh, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So remember, Paul the apostle. Apostle means sent one. I'm Calvary Chapel as a whole is an apostolic ministry. In other words, one Calvary Chapel sends out another Calvary Chapel or a pastor. And they're sent one. But there's only apostles of Jesus Christ. And we know that Paul was, again, on that road to Damascus, was, again, brought to faith there. Finally, you know, there was already, there was already a conversation going on. And when he was struck to the ground and blinded, and his immediate words is, who are you, Lord? I mean, he already knew these things were going on. So Paul, an apostle, and then we're going to see here, he's going to tell us here in Galatians, we're going to get more of what happened, what we've already gone through in the book of Acts on Sunday with with Saul of Tarsus, later become Paul. Uh, There now, as we're on Sundays, we're going through his second outing. Uh, this is his third here when he established Galatians and now he's writing them. So here we're seeing some time later, uh, Paul now, so 53 to 58 AD. And this letter is obviously written much later after that, his imprisonment in Rome. So this is a prison letter as Paul is in prison there in the city of Rome. And we'll see that as we get to the end of the, uh, of Galatians there that he's saying, salute those again from Rome, say, Hey, so Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by, uh, neither by, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. We're going to see here that he was ministered to for three and a half years. So again, if you get the timeline, he's uh, again uh, brought to faith, uh, brought to his knees. He's in Damascus for a while. Uh, he take a, a plot to kill his life. He's lowered down in the basket, and he splits to Arabia. And Jesus Christ ministered to him for three and a half years. Man, what would that bit of like, you know? And then he comes back to Damascus for some time, and then he goes to Jerusalem. And still, after three, quite possibly four years, uh, his reputation still precedes him, and they're afraid to meet with him. Although while Paul or Saul of Tarsus was no longer persecuting the church, I'm sure there was others there, but not as vehemently as Saul of Tarsus. So they had to notice something had come down in Jerusalem and around all the other provinces. And now Saul comes back and he's saying, I'm a brother. And now that's where we get Barnabas, the son of encouragement. That's his nickname. His actual name is Joseph, but he's called the son of encouragement. And he says, hey, this guy's really saved. And then as he tells the apostles, the ones who spent a lot of time with Jesus, There in Jerusalem, he says, I'm called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, you remember that as we were going through the book of Acts on Sunday? They're like, "Uh, excuse me? No, no. For all can be saved, but that means only Jews. All doesn't mean all to them, but Peter found out in Acts chapter 10, what does all mean? Comes back and says, can you imagine that? Hey, guys, uh, all means all. Who would have known? Yeah. Jesus is just trying to use the various words that were established that then, and all meant all then, and they're like, go figure. And then it's like, but they still at that time don't get Saul of Tarsus. It's many years later, up in Antioch, Gentiles are getting, getting saved. 
the apostles don't even count it. This is, I want you to understand, there's still some prejudice going on. There's still some bigotry going on. There's still some misunderstanding. And so they send Barnabas, not an apostle, but faithful dude. And he goes, wow, I remember 10 years ago, this guy. And maybe Barnabas has never forgotten about him. But he's, he's, he's immediately struck, doesn't go back to Jerusalem, recognizes it's the hand of the Lord, goes and gets Saul, come back! Everything that you said was right! And he come back to Antioch, goes on his first missionary journey, we're there on Sundays, his second missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas separate. We see that the rest of the book of Acts deals with the, from chapter, the middle of chapter 12 through the rest of the book of Acts is Paul. And so here, again, on his third missionary journey, and they're going to ask some questions here. So Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. This is also further confirmed by Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Because as they were ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, through prophetic utterance, through the word of knowledge, through the prophets that were there, Someone said, set apart for us Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry, Barnabas being the lead. And so this is further confirmation that, you know, Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this is further confirmation there in Acts chapter 13. They're there in Antioch having a great prayer meeting and ministering to the Lord. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I see worship isn't just music. Worship is your whole manner of life, everything about you, but as they were giving there. And so here, who was raised from the dead, this is that Jesus. So this is who, this is who he's called by. That, that's what I need to hear. That's what my pastor and elders needed to hear. Uh, if you're, and, and I don't mean just to be, come out here to plant a church because I wasn't originally sent out here to start Calvary Chapel St. Paul. Let me put it this way. My pastor and elders, they knew it, but I did not know it. I thought I was coming out here to assist my best friend, and I learned a lot being a really good second, a really good assisting pastor. Uh, my, my brother in the faith, the guy that I looked up to the most, wasn't Chuck Smith. I really appreciate him for his Bible study, but it was Pastor Romaine. And the, within the Calvary Chapel movement, Romaine was the model of, of what it is to be a second and that's the thing that I saw that I, I, I kept seeing other friends of mine wanting to be pastors or, or actually what they wanted to be was a senior pastor. They didn't understand what the job entailed or else they wouldn't be wanting to be a senior pastor. I was an assistant pastor and I would be coming home to Kimberly just about every day going, thank God I am not a senior pastor. One, uh, I wouldn't have a congregation because I probably would beat everybody up uh, physically and maybe spiritually or maybe spiritually and definitely physically, well, however you want to put it. And... My ministry was to assist my pastor, whatever he called. I can tell you the very first thing my pastor called me to do was to give the youth ministry over to another pastor that we were bringing on staff. And I, I, had, I loved assisting him. That was the better my pastor looked, the less you ever noticed of me. There was a thing that I would do. Pastor Ralph, he was... Um, he was really bad with names. Uh, I didn't used to be. I am now. But no one ever picked up on it that 
all the services, I would be standing next to Ralph and he would see someone coming, who is it, who is it, who is it? And, and, and they'd, he'd recognize it and I would tell him their name. Oh, Joanne, oh, who are you doing? How are you doing? Because oh, it, it wasn't that we were trying to run a, a hustle or a scam, although that was, that was my skill set. I used my superpowers for good. People really, really, really want the pastor or the leadership to know their name. doesn't matter what size the church is. They want the pastor to know their name. I had one kid who came to our youth ministry who was going to kill himself. I did not know he was going to kill himself. I did not know he was going to end his life. But um, he was invited to youth ministry. He came to youth ministry. And uh, I do all kinds of funny things around here to try to remember people's names, name associations, whatever. Emily. No, she's not here. Ryan, heir. Well, you're just in. You, you got Jenkins' boss. All right. Uh, Julie, right? Got it. All right. So uh, just it, it, Wyatt 2.0. Uh, we've got, i got all that stuff. I just, whatever I can. And I just, just give me the first letter. I do whatever I can. And just think about it when I'm trying to memorize your name. For those of you who are new here, you're kind of like, no one ever gets mad. They're like, this guy's making an effort. Like, I'm going to keep coming back. Uh, what's he going to call me next week? There's one woman who came here for five years and she was just not Betty. That's just, I just, I kept calling her Betty and then fine. And I still, to this day, do not remember her name. It just wasn't Betty. Not Betty. That's, people are like, what? God help them. All right? And I would stand next to Ralph and people would come up and, and then it just got to be, hey, hey, you really want to freak them out? Yeah. Check this out. And I would go out into the parking lot and greet people and get to know their names and how you doing. And I would run back. First time visitors. Ralph didn't know it. <laughs> Ralph didn't know it. So I go, this is fun, man. And they would come up and I go, hi, Jim, Julie, how you doing? They're like, what? Huh? Did, the, did the Holy Spirit give you that? And he goes, why would you say that? Because we've never been here before. Really? Well, you look like a Jim and Julie. They would leave. We're going to talk later. <laughs> Come on, man. You know? And he just. So then Ralph would learn to, like, hey, uh, is this your first time here? Because I would tell them their name. They'd go, no, we've been here a couple of times. Jim and Julie, or whatever the name was. So Ralph learned to ask. I'm just, uh, you're new here, right? Is this your first, second time? Oh, and then he would tell them, they, oh, he remembered our names. And there's like, how does he do that? Years went by. I come back to visit, and someone says, you know, Ralph, I, he's been losing. So a year later after being here, and a year later coming back, they're like, we're really concerned about Ralph. What's up? He goes, he's just not remembering names as well as he used to. And I just looked at him like a sister. Just picture Ralph standing there. Yeah. Do you picture who's sitting, standing next to him? And it's like, oh, you. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Can, come on, mate. Hook the train up. Hook the train. And she's like, no. <laughs> she goes, I wasted so many Sundays before church. And I was like, he's not going to get this name. He's not, and I go, really? That's what you were doing? He's not going to get this name. He's not going to get this name. And I was, she's like, it was you. And I go, how could you not figure that out? So again, 
That's the kind of guy I was. My pastor looked good. The more that everyone loved Pastor Ralph, the more I'm like, I'm doing it. That's my ministry. And so he, I gave up the youth ministry. Or like, well, what was I, I can't give it up. It's not my ministry. It's his. I'm there to assist him with the youth. And, uh, and I did that. I started the youth ministry. He did all of that. And another pastor came on and, quite frankly, couldn't do it as good as me. In fact, I got in trouble because I kept interfering. Like, do this way, do You know, you just... And that's just, that's when, that's when different isn't wrong was developed. Not by me. My pastor says different isn't wrong. It's just different. And chick, you're different. Amen. Yea, verily. And so, an Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3 thing happened in my life. And yet it was, and it took about four months to talk to all the pastors and elders and their wives and pray with them and eat with them. They fed us. Okay. And we said, and my thing is, I didn't want one red flag. And every one of them says, we'll miss you. Because when I started with Calvary Chapel Oceanside, Mike Fernandez was there about a year before me. There's only 15 people coming. And now it's over 1,000 people. And ministry's popping, man. And, uh, and, and more and more, and it's, it's into the many thousands now. And so here, I said, we don't want you to go. We don't want you to do this, but and much prayer and afterglows on church and people like, yeah, we, we don't want you to go. And I just thought I was coming to, to, to assist my best friend. I knew it within the first six hours of being here. It took me a day to admit it to my wife. And day two, my pastor calls me up and says, you figured it out? I go, what? He goes, don't even say what. You figured it out, haven't you? I go, yes. Let me hear you say it. I'm going to start Calvary Chapel St. Paul. And that whole vision that I had before I came here, and I'm the one who's going to do all that. And then I just go, I just, I don't get it. Because when I got here, it wasn't Mike's vision. And Mike said, maybe you're going to do it. I'm, and he'd already moved from St. Paul. We were out here visiting in... Uh, September of 88, after we'd been married a year, and, and God said, not now, not now, but later. I'm, later could have been years from now. And it was confusing, and then we come back here, and I'm, I'm like, Mike, here's all this stuff. And he got, Mike goes, that's, that's not my vision. It's your vision. Maybe you should do it. I'm like, no. I want to get in trouble, and it'd be your fault, because you hired me. I, uh, <laughs> that's my role. I'm your firefighter. I'm the, you know... That's what I'm going to do. My thought was, is because I was going to come here and do what Mike did. I know it's not believable, but they called us the God Squad, the Gruesome Twosome. We were a tag team. We were, we were a little fun. But Mike, in this relationship, was the mean one. Mike was the mean one. I was coming here to assist my friend, and I was going to transition into being the nice one. That didn't work. I'm still the mean one, aren't I? But Mike was meaner. You know that, right? We, he knows that. Okay, so, and in Acts chapter 13, like, yeah, I do. And then there was problems and confusions for the next nine months. Tried to do whatever I could. I, I could, but it just got to that thing where the Holy Spirit says, you got to do this. And we did it. We planned all the churches, did all those things. And, and there was just, confirmation that I could say that I'm an apostle Calvary Chapel Oceanside and of Ralph Wood and of the ministry there to come and do these things. 
And I can tell you, not of men, neither of men, not by man and neither of men, because if it was, then all some of the hurtful, harmful things that have been done and perpetrated upon my family, I could just look back at men and go, why'd you send me here? Why didn't you stop me? Why? And I could look back to man, but I had to know that God was calling me to do this. And it's various, all the other things in my life that built up to that. And, and, and take, this, take this down, because I am still shocked sometimes, but this is what I'm shocked about when God doesn't give me a heads up. That's what I'm shocked about now. God speaks to me daily, all the time. And, and, and when he doesn't tip me off, some of you have been around when you know one of my, one of my kids were seriously hurt. And it had been going on for a while. And, and I'm a successful failure, I'll tell you that. And I can beat myself up. And I can't say that God willed this to happen. But, but I could tell you that it's because I know God. Kimberly, I have never been angry at God. Can't be angry at man because we know God brought us here. And we're like, God, I don't like the feelings. I don't like this. I don't like that, the pain involved. But I know you called us here to St. Paul. I know that. So what, what do I need to do here? How do I need to get right? What do I need to do? And, and that's it. It's not, it. I am an odd Christian in this day and age because I was discipled when I first got saved. Discipled for quite some time and raised up in ministry. And then my pastor discipled and raised me up in ministry when it comes to there. And oh man, did I fail so much. And then, but to hear those words that were grace to me, and this is what this book is about and what we'll get into. This is just my intro. I got a few minutes left. The grace that the Galatians, and this is my favorite. If you don't know my life verse, it's Galatians 6.14. And I got to use it a lot this last week. That's Galatians 6. I got it tattooed. Not the whole verse, just the reference, okay? And that's the, that's the tattoo I want. It's a, it was, it's a, a crown of uh, thorns and, and three nails. And uh, Galatians 6, 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And I can tell you, it's, I've never questioned why. I mean, since July 11th of 1986, when my sister was murdered and I got the news and I knew she was going to die. I just want to let you know how God comforted me. He says, are you, and I said, why? And here's, here's how the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I told you three days ago she was going to die. You knew three days ago. As I'm screaming and I'm yelling and I'm throwing things at the sand and the beach and my roomies that were with me, I was already out of the Marine Corps at this time and, and they're, they're, they couldn't even catch me. I was into running then. You couldn't catch me. But, and they couldn't, and I'm just screaming and, uh, and I'm under the railroad trestles there in the South Ocean side. And why? Why? I says, you know why? Do you trust me? Do you love me? Yes. Get up. She made her choice. Is she in heaven? It's not for you to know. She's not. What are you going to do? This is the conversation. And that's when Galatians 6.14, 
God used my own life first to encourage me. You said you were crucified to the world and the world to you. You said you were dead to these things. That's your family. And God just having this conversation, it's taken me longer to explain it than the actual in the spirit there. Because you knew this. And then the one that got me the most. Did you love your sister more than I did? No. Get up. I walked back to the place I was staying at with a couple of other Christian bros. And they're like, and they were they were shooken. I'm like, because they saw me get the phone call and and I just, ah, and I smashed the phone. And they, these guys know me. They knew, get out of the way. Leave the door open for me. Get out of the way. And I knew when I got the call, I knew when the phone was ringing, I knew it would be my older brother telling me, because he's the one, if uh, I needed to be calmed down, he would be the one. If I needed to go take care of family business, it was my sister who died would be the one to commission me. I'd do anything for it. There's many guys who've suffered under the pain, and they're like, why? Because my sister said, you just got to get hurt. You're not going to win this argument. Just stop right there. That was my favorite sister right there. Loved getting arrested with her. She was the funnest. So I look at this, and I look at the grace, and that's why my favorite New Testament epistle is Philippians. And if you know anything about me, you can find out in the first 22 verses what I'm all about. Chapter 1. But Galatians, this book of grace. So for verse 1, do you know your calling? Hey, if you don't, or maybe you do, but you're a little wonky about it, I'm personally restarting the intern program. I'm going to lead it. I'm going to do it. You're going to meet with me. I'm only going to take a max of 20 brothers and sisters this time around. And it's it's about one year in length. You can come to the intro. It's not faint of heart. You see, I was rare because I was discipled. And I'm walking with the Lord today because I was discipled. And that's the thing that's mission missing in church's day is discipleship. It's not knowing the other person's business. It's being involved in the other person's business. I don't know how you spell that, but it's business. Others may do business, but we do business time. And you know what time it is? It's business time, right? And so here, by the grace of God, I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. And all the brother in verse 2 which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you in peace from God, the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Totally changed culture. Changed how people greet one another. Salam alaikum, alaikum as-salam. That's, you know, Arabic for peace be with you. Shalom, shalom, peace, peace. That's aloha. That's hello and goodbye or peace. You know, all these other things. Minnesota, hey. 
uh, you know, and goodbye. Hey, all right. We might in between the haze talk about the weather. Um, but, but first and foremost, it's grace before the hey, shalom, whatever. Grace. He made it a point. Grace be to you and peace from God, the Father. Well, wait a minute. You see, now he's in a conversation. And that's what we are to do here. We are here to, again, change this culture to the culture of, of God's family, of the kingdom of God here on earth. And we can do that by being biblical this way. And this is just something Paul did. I picked it up from him. Grace be unto you. It totally... I mean, you can do something. When someone, when someone sneezes, the typical thing is, I bless you, or tight. I say, I hope you don't go to hell. What? See, now we're in a conversation. Aren't you supposed to say, God bless you? Well, I know a little bit about you and your life, and I really don't want God to bless that. I really think you should suffer a while until you come to your senses, because I don't. if God continues to bless you what you're doing, then you're never going to come to him. You won't see his need, your need for him. What? You know, before I had a relationship with God, my life could best be characterized by the word empty. I was always empty. Nothing ever satisfied. But if some guys I was in the core with shared with me how I could have peace with God that would assure that I would go to heaven when I die. And I don't even know this about the Marine Corps, but their motto is to kill people and break things. And uh, your goal is to let the other man, the other countrymen, die for his country and win medals. You're to stay alive. People say, do you shoot to kill? No, I shoot to stay alive. That's what I'm doing. And so, but when I got that and I realized that now I have a relationship with God that makes me sure I go to heaven when I die, now all those things that never satisfied, now now my life can best be characterized by the word fulfilled. I am fulfilled. I have purpose and meaning and direction in life. But the greatest benefit of all is that I know that I will live with God for all eternity. I mean, hey, man, does your relationship with God make you sure you're going to heaven when you die? Man, this week has been fun. You got to hear some stories. I can't say them on camera. But this shirt right here is one of these testimonies. I'm part of the ground crew. Now, if you don't know it, I think I traveled the furthest for church retreat or a church uh, uh, split. I went to the Bahamas. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago now, but a couple of weeks ago, we're having a board meeting and begrudgingly I was reinstated as a flight instructor and I can check out people and one of the club members was there and goes, just says, you think we could take one of the club planes to the Bahamas? I'm like, sure, we're insured. Club president was there. He goes, yeah, if you're thinking about going, you let me know. A week later, three others are going. Four days before we go, we figured out where we're going to stay. We got all the paperwork. We did everything. And February 16th on Friday, we took off. Me and another brother, some of you remember him, Rick Morrell. He's plugged into a really good church up north there, Revived Church, great church, Mark Henry's pastor there. And he, we're friends. He, he's, the one who, he's the one who just said, you think we can take the, I, I don't know if I'm doing him really well, but some of you know Rick. Do, we, do you think we could take a club plane to the Bahamas? Sure. He started the whole thing. And then when one thing looks at another one. And then it was like, Challenge accepted. Let's do it. I got pictures and slides and things. And we ended up in the Bahamas. And it's great. People ask us things like, and I'm totally changing the culture. They usually say, where did you come from? And I said, well, 
we landed at one airport to go through customs, and then we started island hopping. So everyone said, where'd you come from? We go, oh, Treasure Key. And they're looking at my skin and their skin. They're like, you're not from Treasure Key. Really? Uh, no, you asked where I came from. I came from Treasure Key. Before that, well, before that was in the customs. Or, I mean, they got time at customs. I'm going to use my time wisely. Well, well where are you from? Well, St. Paul, Minnesota. Well, how'd you end up here? Funny thing. Before I had a relationship with God, my life could best be characterized as one is empty. Now you get to the testimony. How about you? Does your relationship? And I go, and I, and I dragged it out a little bit more. And because I have that relationship with God that makes me sure I go to heaven one day, there's, and I just went through 44 years of things and how I got saved. I didn't use the word saved. I didn't use it in the buzzwords. And that's why we're here today because in June of 1982, I solidified my relationship with God that will make me sure that I'll go to heaven when you die. We're just kind of meaning how'd you end up coming here to this trip? Oh, Rick over there a couple of weeks ago said, hey, you think we can take one of the club planes to the Bahamas? And they're like, why didn't you just start with that? I, I didn't know where you wanted me to start from. You, you didn't put a parameters there. So I just, I mean, I could have started back in 1962 when I was born. No, we're good. Here, here's your passport. Do you want to check the plane? Go. Get in the plane and go. Hey, guys, no, you're, you're, you're the captain. You're all good. Just time to go. Well, you don't want to talk? No, go. Verse 3. Grace be to you. Changing culture. I, I know what customs in other countries are expecting. I know the limited conversation. They have the same conversation over and over and over again. Not that day. And we flew a dark, uh, solid green plane. And I can tell you this in the Bahamas. From Freeport to NASA to San Salvador to uh, all the way to the islands. They know about the pickle. We landed in the airport. The pickle. I mean, it's small, tiny islands, nations there. Hey, and all that one. But hey, we had the solid green. It's called the pickle. They called it the pickle. We land. We had no plans. We have no flight plans. But we landed this island. The ground crews. The pickle. We know. Yeah, we heard about this. Just a lot of. How'd you guys end up getting here? Well, and the guys went, start, start a couple weeks ago. They've heard this story a few times. <laughs> no, no, just a couple weeks ago, then they got the story down. I'm like, come on. And I pray for every flight. Lord Jesus. And I just pray. And now it got to the point where some of them who maybe not of the uh, same faith as me or whatever would just say, we're not moving. You haven't prayed for the flight yet. Okay. And then Grace. First time sitting down with these other guys and said, I, I go, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sorry, but, you know, forgive me, but I'm going to say grace. And I'm rather loud and I say grace. Then a couple of days into it, they're like, even the ones who never have ever said grace or don't really say grace go, you're going to say grace? Well, since you asked, <laughs> and it just got to be those things, changing culture. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like a challenge? You probably don't, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. 
Think of something innocuous. Look that word up later. I'm not making fun of you. Um, find just something that everybody does and just tweak it somehow. Paul did a, a simple greeting and just changed it. And now you're in a conversation. Well, why do you say grace? Because he says, you first must receive the grace of God before you can receive any peace. Normally they say peace, 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 hey, peace, man, peace, peace, peace. That means nothing, just like when someone sneezes. You might say, what does gesundheit mean in German? Life, by the way, doesn't mean God bless you. Just here's life to you. And the belief is, is that if you sneezed, your spirit left your body and you need to say God bless you to get it back in. Yeah. Really. So I just want to let you know from this point on, when someone sneezes and you say God bless, you now have the information. Are you confirming that you believe their spirit left their body and now you have to say God bless you to get it back in? Hey, will you deal with it? Change it. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You know, when you share the gospel with someone, man, don't, don't leave out sin. Don't leave out the, the, why he died. He didn't come to make a better you, a better version of you. He didn't come to reform you. He, this is someone who put it on the line. God gave it all. He gave his only son. I, 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 I totally do not understand. I don't, uh, maybe, when I get to heaven, I don't grasp it right now. I, I saw it just a little bit. But in Isaiah, when it says it was the father's good pleasure to crush the son. This is in Isaiah. That's Old Testament. What's grace doing in the Old Testament? What's God having a relationship with? If people say the Old Testament is just a bunch of killing and who killed who? It was the Father's good pleasure. So that, that he might deliver us. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. We're still here. Hey, you want to cross-reference this with John chapter 17? That's really the Lord's Prayer. No question of why. John chapter 17. If, you're, if you have that question, why am I still here? John chapter 17. John chapter 17 says, I didn't ask you to take them out of it. He could have write that in there. Okay, once this is all done, I'm ascended. Let's just get all, let's just get out of here. Let's go. Spare everybody what they're, what they're going to go through. No, but that he might preserve us. You see, the same thing when it came to this shirt, uh, last stop was uh, Dubuque, Iowa. And then we came back here to Noka, and I landed about four this afternoon, got cleaned up. But you, just if this, if this is new for you, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you, it might be shocking. You're probably not going to believe this. Me being the pastor of this church, and by, I must outrank you because I'm probably the most deeply spiritual and loved by God more than any of you, and I can hear a pin drop in heaven. But there on occasions have been when I haven't listened to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's new to you. I'm prone to that sometimes. But scars, I keep looking at every Sunday, all right? Maybe that's why we're having a hot, uh, not a normal winter, because normally I, I, I love 
winter because I wear long sleeve shirts and it hides me my reminders of waving off the Holy Spirit. But every Sunday when I'm thinking, hey, you know, oh, yeah, stay humble. Um, I'm packing light. And so my thing is, is I'm, I'm usually, I'm going to buy shirts when I land at a certain fixed-based opera, wherever I go. Have you ever experienced that? Have anyone ever seen me buy a shirt and get everyone to get a shirt? Sometimes people say, Pastor Chick, or whoever I'm with, that shirt costs like $30 from this FBO. Isn't that a lot? We just spent $500 to get here in a plane, all the fuel. I think I'm already gone on the whole $30 thing, all right? I'm pretty sure I was to bring more shirts. I only brought two. Well, one for sleeping. I only brought two because because I'm going to hit three FBOs, fixed-based operators, on the way to the Bahamas, and I'm sure in all the places we're going to the Bahamas has shirts. They sell swag for the for the shirts. Ten FBOs later, you know you can wear a shirt two days one way, turn it inside out, and you can wear two days. You know that, right? You don't know that? Okay. So I'm... I'm a little rank, a little, a little musty now. And I got to sit up front because I'm checking out all the guys in the airplane. So everyone's got to get a turn with the smelly guy. I'm doing everything I can. I mean, I'm showering every day, but you just keep putting the right back on. And, and I'm at, and then two more, a couple yesterday, three yesterday, two today. I'm like, hey, do you got shirts? I'm like, no. And I go, you guys got no 10 FBOs, 10 fixed-based operators and all of them. On. No one has swag. No one has shirts. Like, you, you got to do this. And so the last one was Dubuque, Iowa. And I'm like, Tina, the number, Tina, number one. Tina, hello? Tina, number one, Tina? And I'm, like, and I'm telling her my plight, and she can smell me. And I'm telling her her plight. She goes, let me see what I can do. They don't sell these shirts. <laughs> they don't sell these shirts. I just want to let you know how bad I smell. And they're like, and the guys in the plane are like, thank you. And I go and I clean up and, and so... Do what I can, and so number one, Tina, thank you, and Megan the Wonderful, and Mason the Marvelous, and Mark, Mark the Man, the owner of the company, they all, they listened to my plight, and so I'm part of the ground crew. I tried the FBO ahead of me, and I'm giving them the whole story, sharing Jesus with them, how we got here, and the guy's like, just two weeks ago, chick, shorten it up. Going through the whole thing because they're trying to fly and get away, and they're like, he's talking again. <laughs> Maybe if they tied my hands, I would mumble, but I'm Greek, and so. And then um, the FBO before that in, in, in southern Illinois, and I'm like, hey, I'm a Chicago boy, Illinois boy, everything. And I go, no, these are, these are the work shirts. There's the nice polo shirts. And I go, so you won't sell me one? He goes, no. Well, why? Like, well, 
And the one kid goes, then I wouldn't have a shirt. I said, sell me your shirt. He goes, then I wouldn't have. And I'm like, well, why won't you sell me the shirt? He goes, well, you know, this is just for the. So you think someone is going to come to this FBO and buy one of your shirts and then they're just going to go out and fuel someone's plane for the fun of it? You think they're going to go out and check the tire? You think someone's going to buy a shirt so they can run out and park a Cessna Citation jet or whatever? Or so they're going to be there with a, it could happen. You think the service guy is there? Here's the keys to my jet. By the way, jets don't have keys, but here you go. And just for, you're afraid somebody's going to come here and impersonate the most lowliest job on the airfield. And they're kind of like, I guess we kind of have to rethink that whole paradigm. But we don't have any more shirts. Well, sell me your shirt. Well, I wouldn't have a shirt. Well, they'll get you another one. But finally, the last one. They just, number one, Tina, get, I'm just part of the ground crew. I'm going back to Dubuque, and I'm going to wear this shirt, and I'm going to go out and check tires. I'm going to do something. I'm going to wash windows. And they're like, why are you this way? Well, let me tell you. You know, before I had a relationship with God, my life could best be characterized. And they're looking at me and they said, and this last place, and I said, but my life can now can best be characterized by the word fulfilled. And like, I know. And I gave him a card. I said, you got to check it. You got to check us outside. So thank you in Dubuque. 10 FBOs later, you guys did it. But let me again reiterate to you, does your relationship with God make you sure that you'll go to heaven when you die? Because right here it tells us in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Everything to me is a testimony. Everything to me is an opportunity. Every waitress and server in the, in the Bahamas I got to share the gospel with because again, I'm cutting up, I'm being funny. I'm able to go into one place where we're, we went there the morning and we had these phenomenal omelets and then I came back later the night for the night cook and I said, the bar's been set high. I felt like tiny little angels were kissing the inside of my mouth. If I think demons are attacking us, attacking us and Satan's cooking this meal, you're going to know. And oh, I'm going to try. And, and the place is packed. People there were before us. We got served first. I don't know how that happens. But they came out. I go, is it good? It's good, man. You're up there. <gasps> I go in. I get to walk in. And they're like, who goes into the kitchen and hugs and kisses the cook? Well, you made my food. I learned early on, you don't mess around with the people who's making your food. Make sure it's made with love. Why are you like this? <gasps> because before I had a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't know. Maybe the guys who are with me I, I, they all go to heaven, or maybe they don't. They're standing before judgment. They'll be able to recite the gospel. They'll say, well, did you hear that time Chick said that, or how he talked about me? And Weren't you the one saying, hey, are you going to pray and say the grace for meal, and aren't you going to pray for this flight before we go off? Okay. You're the one who said it. Verse 5. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Just because I said we would get to verse 7. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the, the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. 
but there are some that trouble you and, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Did we not have fun? Well, I did. I had fun for the first five verses. Did we not? Can I just see a, a shaking of this? Spit if you have to. Just Did we not have fun? The first five verses. That's what Paul's talking about, man. And then verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace. That's not me, man. This grace, grace, this wonderful grace. And... <laughs> I broke the holder on my knife and I don't know what to do now. I just discovered, I break everything. Look at Kimberly. I break everything. She comes home from a pastor's wife's uh, conference, June Hesterly's teaching. She was 70 then. And she's talking about her and her husband are 70. She's in her 80s now. She's in her 70s. And Kimberly comes home from the pastor's wife's conference. She goes, I've just seen my future. There's just, it's over. Like, what do you mean? She says, June Hesterly's talking about how they redid their floors in their house, but they, they couldn't get into the house because their floor's on the first floor. So there's my 72-year-old husband pushing a 70-year-old woman on his shoulders up to the second floor and just, you can do it, honey, and gra- to grab onto the sill and just I'll push your foot over and, and she just belly flops and stuff. Kimberly just comes home years ago and she goes, I... It's never going to get easy, is it? I said, I see the Holy Spirit was speaking to you at the pastor's conference. There's no slowing down for us, is it? No. No, there's not. And I, if you know what Jim Hesterly and June Hesterly mean to me and, and the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, she's, she's like, this, I, this is your guy, this is your boy you're always talking about. I said, yeah. Well, I got to meet his wife. I, I got to see my future. That's right. And I have pushed Kimberly through it. Not at 70, but my response is, well, one of us has got to go in, June. I marvel that you are so soon removed. I can't, I can't give up on this grace. I've been trying to break it for 43 years, 44 years. I'm still trying to break it. And I know I, I haven't really, I, you can't abuse God's grace, but man, I... You can't outsend God. You can't. Again, I should have brought more than... It was confirmed. I should have brought more. That was probably the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Kimberly was already gone. Kimberly was already... Everyone had 25 pounds. That uh, The other three guys, you had 25 pounds each. One guy says, well, it's going to be a heavy 25 pounds. 25 pounds is 25 pounds. One guy says, well, I got my 25 pounds here. Then I got my headset. I got my life vest. I got this. I go, you got 25 pounds. Start making some life choices. And... And only because my wife saw me the night before, I was just going to show up with my usual guy bag, was just a shopping bag. But I found the smallest little bag I could. I packed two shirts in there, some underwear, some socks. I wore these pants because I left there. And, and all I had was a couple of uh, bathing suits. And that was it. I really thought I was going to get more shirts. So it might have been the Holy Spirit telling me or my wife's voice in my head going, you got to bring more shirts. In fact, she did tell me the night before, that's all you're bringing. So I'll buy shirts along the way. Are you sure about that? Now, the Holy Spirit speaks to me a lot. It really sounds like Kimberly. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. 
unto another gospel. There is no other gospel. Gospel means good news. And he says here in verse 7, which is not another, that there's some that have troubled you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Wow. God help them. Satan, you can have them. You're going to pervert the gospel, the good news, that it's just simply he gave himself for us and his sins, that we might not perish. Hey, grace, grace, wonderful grace, grace of God. I, I can't be moved from this. I can't. People have tried. I can't. Why would I want to give up on this? There's, uh, temptation's not sin. If you make a motion towards it, that's sin. If you conceive it, you do it, and then you'll physically manifest it out. That's why Jesus says if you, Jesus says if you thought you've, you, you've done it. But if you haven't physically done it, you can still repent, and it's between you and God. If you involve the other person in sin, then you've got a lot more work to do. And you forgive sin. But it's not that people haven't offered all stuff, and my response is, well, then I would have to stop this to go do that. And I don't want to do that. I, I had backups for tonight in case of weather. But everyone I was flying with, I go, I'm, I got church on Thursday. I got church split this weekend. That's Sunday off. I, I, Monday's my normal day off. I'm going to take, uh, you know, two days of vacation time. And I'll be here on, you know, Thursday. And I'm going to be here. Why? Because you have to. I want to be. I want to be with my flock. I want to be here entertaining you, watching the Holy Spirit convict you, encourage you, and equip you. I want to be here. I want, and I want to be right with the Lord. So every Sunday and Thursday, I earn the right and the privilege. I never, ever want to show up or not show up and say, well, Pastor Chick got into a lot of sin this week and he didn't really repent. Hopefully he gets better next week, but I'm filling in for you. Now you can. If anyone ever fills in for me and says, is Pastor Chick out sinning? I mean, go ahead and ask them. Especially these guest speakers who really don't know me. Like, what? Well, he told us if he was here. I think he's, I think he's, just go ahead. I really, really want to be here. And because I really, really want to be here, I want to be right before the Lord. I want to be able to stand before you as your pastor, if I am your pastor. Some of you, I might just be a pastor that you respect, but if I'm your pastor, I wanted to be here. As wonderful, as great as the Bahamas were, don't think too much of yourself. But I wanted to be here more on Thursday than I wanted to spend another day in the Bahamas or another day of flying or anything else. I enjoy all the other things I do, but I want to be here. And I want to change culture. I have. I'll continue to do that, and I challenge you the same way. But Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, got us to the book of Galatians. I know that I'm called. If you don't know that you're called, after PWT, I have a servant's class. It's four weeks. It's a once a year time that I do it. That's for four weeks. You can go in. I've already got books ordered. And then after that, starting up in May, will be the intern program. And it will be the first Monday, first Tuesday so after women's, it'll be the first Tuesday of every month. And then when women's starts, flex some dates around for three months. And it starts in February of next year. So we're going to have nine months of the first Tuesday of the month. It's already on the calendar. If you haven't, if you haven't been seeing the calendar, I already put that on over a week ago. We'll have more information online. So I have 
20 spots, ages 16 and above. 20 brothers and sisters. And <laughs> life will never be the same. And you're going to have a good time. I love you. I want to be here. As much as the Bahamas and all this stuff is, oh, you got to check out these pictures, man. I want to be here more. And I want to be right before the Lord. Because for me, I earned the right, I earned the privilege to be here every Thursday and Sunday. Or I earned the privilege with my relationship with God to be able to come here. And just remember, Mike has always been the main one. You guys don't believe it. All right, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this flock. Thank you that I get to be in St. Paul and I got to be here tonight. Thank you, God, that I got to spend six days with three other guys laughing, having a good time, getting on each other, ripping and doing all kinds of good fun. But most importantly, my prayers is that they got to see Jesus in me and they would see that, God, you love a sinner saved by your grace. It's hard to be fake to live with someone for six days, <laughs> sharing rooms and hotels and accommodations and cramped little planes. And, and Lord, none of us got on each other's nerves because I believe you're Holy Ghost. You, Jesus, were there. So, Lord, do that work in everyone's lives here tonight. May they learn to change culture. May they just take something simple and use it and get into that conversation and be prepared. So thank you, Lord. Do that work in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.